hiking canyon lands when I was 14 in Utah and whitewater rafting down the Colorado was how I first experienced the West. I felt totally free, felt totally understood, and completely lost all at the same time. It's taken me 20 years to call it home. I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. I studied anthropology and political science at the University of Delaware. My first job was at the ACLU in New York City. Then Obama got elected and I went to work for Planned Parenthood. Was working primarily to get Obamacare passed. Once it passed, I went back to working in advertising. I just wasn't made for politics. It was brutal most of the time. And the Acela just was not my thing either. <laughs> I spent five years at iCrossing, which is a digital agency owned by the Hearst Corporation, which is the newspaper mogul. The irony was not lost on, on most of us because we were trying to just push forward and they were really holding on. While I was there, I started a new uh, P&L and a new practice called The Collaboratory, which was designed to bring startups and enterprise businesses together to look at media, to look at what we could do around innovation for products. Now that I'm thinking about it, there was so much contrast in, in those five years. Today, I live in Denver with my man David and our Tug Award champ, Ruby. I'm Constance Tichurni, and I lead strategy at TDA Boulder. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. What in 2017 should we be talking about, and why is that? We should be talking about intentions, not authenticity. I'm really focused on where we're going as humans, as citizens, as brands, as creatives, as a creative class. I really want us to think about where we're headed. Time only exists to move forward. And so I think for us today to be holding on to authenticity keeps us tethered to the past, keeps us tethered to these origins that got us to where we are today, but don't necessarily put us into the future. But everybody likes a good advertising industry buzzy word, like authenticity. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> I wrote an op-ed recently that, that describes why I think it's just got to go. I mean, it's been around for now, I don't know, four years. and Oh, no, it's longer than that. Yeah, it's longer. No, yeah, <laughs> I'm just tired of it. I'm really tired of it. Um, I think that, you know, it's, first of all, it's an adjective. So from a grammatical standpoint, it's not keeping us to anything. You're getting us on a technicality. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Fine. No. But um, I think uh, my focus for clients today and for strategists that work on brands today should be around intentions because it helps us look at what the impact should be and where the future um, can take us. I think keeping us tethered to authenticity keeps us from evolution. And the same way humans evolve and change day to day, so too do brands. And I think by holding us in this place of where we came from stifles the creativity of CMOs. It keeps R&D programs really rigid. Right. I mean, look at Apple, which is nearly a contrived example at this point. But if we had stayed true to their authenticity, we wouldn't have anything in our pockets. And, yeah. and that's something to think about as we move forward. What are you most interested in right now? I'm most interested in the subconscious and unconscious motivations of human beings. I think especially today in this you know, really volatile political climate, um, it's helpful for us to listen first and talk second. And by thinking about why someone is saying something or why they believe the things they do, we begin to understand. And I'm not asking everyone to start looking for common ground. Right, right. But start to understand why people believe the values that they share. Yeah, if anything, 
it's it's a, a a red candy and a blue wrapper if that makes sense and it's i we've lost the the ability to get into the essence of what makes people similar it's just gone by the wayside similarities and i think also understanding where people come from i mean if you grew up in a place where your values were relating to the land or relating to I live in Colorado, so people relate to the mountains more than they right. do anything else. But I grew up on the coast, so I relate to the water. Water is both in snow and at sea. And so finding ways to understand how those things connect us or how they divide us is helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it gets us to a brief. I mean, like in work, like that's the place where I start. And so I think it's helpful over dinner or over a beer or whatever to start from that same place, too, when you're meeting someone. Right, right. Now, because it is easy to get to hunker down and to not budge, which is a very dangerous way of doing things, not just in life, but in work as well. So, all right. If you could give yourself advice in your first day of work ever, knowing what you know now, what would it be? And why is that? I think I would tell myself to practice saying, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> and asking. I see where we're going with this. <laughs> asking, tell me more. I know this well, so. Please continue. Yeah. Why is that? Did, um, did, did we talk a little bit in early in our careers? We talked a lot. And I think for women especially, we um, we come into the room thinking we're expected to know more than we do. Interesting. Because we're, we're inherently competitive for resources. And in a work environment, those resources are limited. And so we come in wanting to present ourselves as capable and competent. Right. But I, I don't know if this is cheesy, but I think curiosity is queen at this point. You know, that's the most valuable asset you can bring into a room. That's one of the buzzwords that people use a lot. But but I'm, my point here is that that one is like critical because I understand the importance of curiosity. It's because then it gets you out of that sea of sameness. Right. And I think if you're inexperienced and interested, yeah. you'll be successful. Oh, Totally. You don't have to know everything when you get there. I don't hire anyone thinking they know, you know, what they need to do. I hire them for their potential. Right. And I, I expect the same of my peers. I mentioned this to you earlier. I've been the youngest person in, in the boardroom for a long time now, and I'm aging, so I'm losing that status a little bit. But it served me well in the last 15 years to say, I don't know, and tell me more, the more and more I do it. So you've been the youngest one in the boardroom. You're getting your experience. So you're you're transitioning into this new this new phase. Does that excite you, or or are you are you taking it with some level of trepidation? Because it is an asset, but at the same time, I, I have to say I love having 15 years of experience because it lets me bring other people into a safe environment and make them successful. And that to me is a really big joy. That's different than totally the first phase of this career. Yeah, it makes total sense. Go to the must list. What is a must do? Must do. Go it alone. I've traveled all over the world and I've been to every continent except Antarctica. <laughs> uh, Why do I have a feeling you're going to end up there someday? Yeah, I, I will. I'll, I'll get there. Many times I've traveled alone and it's taught me to trust my instincts. Right to tell me what my preferences are. It's helped me learn my personal cicadic rhythms. And I think that those things are, are valuable, both in personal relationships and also at work. Mm -hmm. 
What is a must experience? So I ha- I do this thing that people always laugh at, but I fly early. So last year I flew to Houston for a 9 a.m. meeting. I flew at 5 a.m. Yeah. I went to the Rothko Chapel and I meditated in the Rothko Chapel with the daily meditators. It's an art exhibit. Yeah. And then I went to the meeting. So the reason that I that I do it is because it makes the you know the business travel that much more enjoyable. Right. Uh, so I check off my bucket list while I'm working. So you do a thing. You yeah. do that. And it's, does it always have to be early or do you, are you like, I never before? stay you after. Do, <clears throat> I never stay after. You just, you're like in and out. Uh, do you go like the overnight flight? Do you do that? Yeah. So, so that's, so when you're saying early, it could be one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I but never stay, I never stay after. I always go in early because after the meeting, I just want to get home right away. That's interesting. So I never was, tack on a weekend or, you know, you've never done the weekend tack on. I was working in the Bahamas for, okay, well that half. counts. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> so not the difference between like Duluth yeah, and yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I was working in the Bahamas for a year and a half. In that instance, I stayed many weekends. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got you. I got you. Okay. Now that makes sense. No, that's interesting. Uh, because a lot of people do like to do the linger, but that's, uh, you just think that's not a, that's a waste of time. Just try it. Try just try it. it. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. What's a must learn. So my grandmother described herself as a lifelong learner. And I try to honor that. Last year, I took six months of Italian lessons. I'm learning to fly fish. I took tennis lessons on vacation this year, which was a first. My boss is teaching me to mountain bike. And Uh-oh. I know, I know. It's good. It's going well. Okay. All right. <laughs> he's, he's competitive. and he's No, fun. I know. That's yeah. why I was saying, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. And I took a sewing class last year, which was a fail. So I guess, you know, my thought on must learn is, Ask someone to share their passion with you or share their expertise with you. And you, you gain, at first you gain humility because it's hard to learn something new, right. but your world opens up and your heart expands because they're sharing this thing that they, they're an expert in. They've spent so much time learning how to do it that they can teach someone else right. how to do it. So I guess I'm learning how to learn. No, that's good. So sewing didn't take. What did take though? Fly fishing. It's cool, huh? It's so it's great. Fun. It's, it's, it's so relaxing. It's so relaxing and it's hard. It's, it's really hard. And so when you're successful just once or you're even successful, like just casting and yeah. you, it lands well, yeah. that feels really good. Did you, have you gotten the, the, have you gotten it caught in the tree before? I've gotten it caught in the tree. Yeah. I've gotten it caught on my hat. Yeah. I've gotten yeah. it caught on my Beyonce's hat, on the guy's <laughs> face. Oh, on the face. In the face. Oh, wow. I Look know. at you. Do you, are you more sidearm or is it, I'm really it, sidearm. Are you, also, okay, I'm that's, lefty, so got I've it. got an advantage, but I'll, if you're doing a right. float, you've got to be really <clears throat> aware of your positioning. Right, right, right. I never thought we'd be talking about fly <laughs> fishing, and but hey, I, I love it myself. Yeah. What's a must read? Oh, I have so many. Alice in Wonderland is my gift of choice if Why? I'm going to give someone a book. Beautiful writing by Lewis Carroll. True. Also, the most interesting perspective on how people experience the same journey with different paths. Mm -hmm. Um, But also anything by Miranda July or Judd Apatow. I'm really into comedians. And so um, I'll read anything they write. Um, All right. Yeah. So that's, you know, just kind of fun reading. Mm -hmm. Um, Middlesex is a great, is kind of one of my my classics at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. What's the best comedian bio you've read? Are you into comedian bios? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good question. I, he's not really a comedian, but I would say Brian Cranston's biography, okay. autobiography is very interesting. Great. That's a that's a good choice. Yeah. I will say I only got 100 pages in. So It's good though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Definitely. Yeah. 
I don't know. There was a biography on Chevy Chase that was very much skewed towards him. I, I, I so we know. went to the same boarding school. Uh, okay. I went to Lawrenceville. His kids went to Lawrenceville. Okay. Um, and so I didn't, it just felt like there was plenty of privilege that I didn't need to yeah, I got indulge you. in. No, I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Uh, Judd Apatow. Yeah. Kind of a hero, huh? Uh, I don't know if he's a hero, but he's an excellent writer. Okay. Who is your comedy hero? I love Louis C.K. <laughs> Have you seen him live? I haven't seen him live. Oh, I'm t- dying listen, to. listen. I'm dying Saw to. him in Portland a few months ago. Yeah. Just go, seriously. No, you know what? Just find out when he's going to be in Denver. And just go. And just, yeah. just go. For yeah, real. Or Boulder. Yeah. He'll probably go in Boulder because the weed's better there. <laughs> uh, it's cheaper. It is true. <laughs> What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? People ask me about moving to Denver a lot. I moved there two years ago and I hit the eject button on New York. Yeah. It was really impulsive and it didn't have a lot of personal intention behind it. When I did it, I came out to Denver uh, for a long weekend and bought a one-way ticket while I was there, mm-hmm. packed up my stuff and moved four weeks later. Yep. People ask me about that a lot. I think the thing that I now, you know, with rose-colored hindsight, 2020 vision, I would say that I learned a lot, and it was the perfect impulsive choice to make Mm -hmm. for three reasons. One, in work, I, I think living in Denver has given me a far more grounded perspective on how America lives, breathes, thinks, experiences life than being in the center of the universe, as we call it. New York. Uh, New York. Right. Yeah. Uh, And that's really helpful because I think, you know, my job is to gather insights and to turn those into creative inspirations. I think doing that in New York. It's fishbowl. It's a little bit of a fishbowl. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to be in the fishbowl, be in the fishbowl. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Where in Denver do you live? I live in Rhino, which is the... um, you know, it's a hip, gentrifying neighborhood right. for sure. Um, but it's also a place where all the new restaurants and bars are opening. They're opening right next door to places that have existed, you know, for 50 years. And so it's a tough place to live day to day. It's a great place for people to spend their weekends. Right. And we just moved there in August. So um, we're still exploring. Having gone to the University of Denver, I can attest to the fact that it's it's changed. It's changed a lot since I left low these many years ago, but I did the exact same thing you did. I was like, yeah, I'm moving to Oregon. So very similar thing. No, it is interesting because you're right. You do get, you do get a sense of bigness in a city like Denver, but you also get a sense of, okay, so this is what America really lives like. Yeah. Because you're getting both, you know, liberal, conservative, you know, you get outside the city. It's, you know, it is an interesting microcosm. Yeah. I mean, it lacks, you know, let's call a space bait. It lacks the diversity of New York or any of the coastal cities. Everybody complains you can't get a good bagel or piece of pizza, which is, really, which is three blocks from my kind house. of stupid thing to, to say. It's like, I, 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 why would you live in Colorado? You can't get, well, you know what? Our weed's better. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I mean, I think the food scene in Denver and Boulder is awesome. It's improving. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Here's where I compliment you. Every guest of the show, you know, I, I've known you before, so it's, this wasn't like a huge stretch. But the thing about you that, that I appreciate the most is you've got this fearlessness that is accessible, if that makes sense. So what, this, what I mean by that is that you are not afraid to share your opinion. You're not afraid to get out in front of things. You're not afraid to make statements that, may not necessarily be right, but you believe in them. 
but you don't do it in a way that sometimes can come across fearlessness can come across sometimes as holier than thou. And I think that that's part of, it's just an individual choice, but I think where you have been very successful and where I really appreciate your perspective is that you go for it, but you're able to share it with people as opposed to this is just mine. Cause you know how sometimes you can, you can get like a, a fearless person or someone who is claiming they're fearless and it feels inaccessible. I mean, it's that, that whole yeah. idea of being on a pedestal. I call it the groundlings phenomenon, even though I'm quote an editor, I, I like getting dirty and I like yeah. getting, I like kind of like getting at it because I feel like that my contribution uh, not making this about me, but it's just context is that my contribution is not necessarily what I'm doing now, but what I leave for the 22 year olds and the 25 year olds and so on and so forth so that I can put them on a good path. So very, you and I have very similar mindset mm -hmm. from that. So that's where I compliment you. Does that feel accurate to you? I know this is like the I've awkward part of the I show, but that's, but this is, but that's, <laughs> but the, the, the section is here's where I compliment you. All so, right. but do you feel that's accurate? I, I mean, that's just my take. The thing that comes to mind is I'm one of six kids. Oh, there you go. So, um, and I'm first, second or third, however you count us, um, okay. cause it's a big blended Brady Bunch family. So I would say I probably have asked the younger kids in my family to do things probably against their, their best judgment with fearlessness or with confidence, mm -hmm. but always made sure they were safe. And so I think that, that that balance of making sure people are safe, successful, having an enthusiastic time, you know, making sure they're happy and it's it's a joyful experience means going with a little bit of gusto. <laughs> gusto. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a copywriter yeah. word. You have I to like put that. people on the edge. When did you become a copywriter all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have, you have to like practice other people's crafts and yeah. understand where they come from. Yeah, but where you grew up too. I mean, that's interesting because in Delaware, it's, you know, Philadelphia is very close. You know, it's like, it's, it's an interesting, for people who haven't been, who are not familiar with that part of the country, it's really the center of a lot of interesting things. DC and Baltimore being very close, Philly being close. And it's just, there's like, a, there's like an intensity there. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't call it an intensity, but you're definitely surrounded by a cosmopolitan energy. And, That's it. Yes. Um, and the instinct is to is to move. So right. you know, you're you're literally an hour and a half from the most powerful parts of America, uh, and a lot of people commute to DC or Philly or to New York daily, um, mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of momentum and a lot of movement there. Right. Interesting. Every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever they want for a minute or two. Without further ado, the floor is yours. Uh, we talked a lot about intentions. I'd like to talk about personal intentions. I get a lot of uh, young women primarily asking me for career advice. I often ask them a question in, instead of giving them advice, which is to learn who they are, learn about themselves, and figure out what they want in life. Personally, professionally, whatever that integration looks like. For younger women, I think that integration is really important to understand where those balances lie. For me, it happened through the counsel of my Sherpa, I guess is what I would call her, Dr. Phyllis Cohen. And she's a therapist by trade, but that really doesn't do it justice for what she does. So I talked to her over Skype and I explore what I want, what I need, what I desire. And she provides me with safe, enthusiastic and quick direction. Much like the must list, we'd like you to share one last piece of advice or wisdom 
to wrap up the show. So what is your last word? Ask people what they want and then give it to them. And what I mean by that is that as a leader today, I ask people for three things, collaboration, independence, and autonomy. I ask people to collaborate with other strategists, with account, with media, with creatives. I ask people to think independently, to use their own instincts, their own gut feelings, and then explore them as hypotheses. And then I ask them to work autonomously, to get work done that feels like their own, that they can be proud of. And those three things are why I come to work every day. I guess I go to work every day for laughs and occasionally for the bar, but also for those three things. Thank you so much for coming to see us here outside of Portland, Oregon. The drums, huge, huge, huge office and studios outside of Portland, Oregon. But Big. It's huge. Uh, backyard is nice in the summer, though, I will say that. But seriously, thank you for coming all this way and best wishes for continued success and appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, Doug.